Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins, alongside my co-host, Trey Lyle. And we're excited for another week of baseball talk. Now that we are another week into the MLB regular season, we have more games to talk about, more stats to dive into, more news to look at, a whole lot of stuff to go over on today's episode. It's been a good week and a half of baseball so far, and we are just getting started. There's about 150 more games left in this season, so... It's, it's been really fun to watch so far, and it's only going to continue to get better. Trey, I'm excited for this week's episode. Uh, but first, how was your weekend? It looked like you had a pretty good weekend down there in Bristol this week. Yeah, I was in Blacksburg for a couple of days and then headed to Bristol for the race. It's a little rainy, but, uh, you know, it was a long late night drive Sunday night, but uh, still a fun weekend. Nice, nice. Sounds good. I went to my... Uh, first flying squirrels game of the season this weekend they were playing the altoona curve at the diamond went there on saturday night to check that out saw a fight at the diamond that's the first time i've ever seen a fight in a flying squirrels game so that was pretty exciting got the crowd pretty riled up and then the squirrels came back and won i think they were down like six to one at one point but they ended up coming back and beating the altoona curve and then there were fireworks after the game so all around good night at the diamond on saturday night And that's going to take us into the best thing we saw in Major League Baseball in the past week. We have a full week to look at this time. Last week, we only had three days, three or four days to look at. So now we have a full week to look back at and determine what the best thing that we have seen in that time span was. So I'll go ahead and go first. For me, it's Hunter Green of the Cincinnati Reds. Really highly touted pitching prospect coming up, making his debut this year. And this week playing at the Dodgers in Los Angeles, he threw 39 pitches that were a hundred miles per hour or faster. That sets a record for a major league game for the most pitches thrown at that speed. That is just insane when you think about it. And it really shows the way that pitching has changed in, you know, the past decade where it used to be a guy throwing 100 miles per hour was like the closer, like a Rodas Chapman. You know, he would come in, pitch one inning, just fire him in there at 100 miles per hour. Now that's the starting pitcher throwing 39 pitches of 100 miles per hour or more. That's insane to me. Crazy that he was able to do that. Great performance by Hunter Green against the Dodgers. So that's the best thing that I saw this past week. That is a, a pretty good choice. I'm going with the guy almost who, if they kept him in there, and if this was maybe a couple more months, he would have he would have stayed in there. Clayton Kershaw, he, you know, he almost had he he was perfect through seven. I mean, I get why they pulled him. I thought they should keep him in, even though I get it's early in the season. You're trying to save the arm, especially with Kershaw and his him being banged up the last couple of years, but. How about Clayton Kershaw reminding folks that he's still Clayton effing Kershaw and going perfect through seven? 
Yeah, that was a great performance by him. And I did actually want to get into that a little bit later, talking about your thoughts on whether or not he should have been pulled from the game, because I know that was a pretty divisive decision by Dave Roberts there. And I've seen all kinds of takes about that on social media and on MLB Network, ESPN. So I did want to get into that a little bit later. Um, honorable mention for the best thing that I saw this week. Got to give it to uh, Jackie Robinson Day this past Friday and all the players wearing number 42. I love seeing that every year. I think it's a fantastic way to honor one of the most impactful players, if not the most impactful player in Major League Baseball history and in everything sports. that he did in sports, honestly. Yeah, everything that he did for athletes to come after him. And, you know, I love I love seeing that tradition every year. And I watched 42 Friday morning before I went to work you know that movie just gets better every time I watch it it's in my opinion one of the best baseball movies of all time so I yeah I enjoy Jackie Robinson's day when that comes around every year and all the players wearing number 42 when they take the field all right our MVPs of the week last week I gave mine to Nolan Arenado after just three games he was crushing it on the field uh, I forget who you gave yours to, but it was Stanton. Stanton, John Carlos Stanton, right? He had three home runs in the first weekend. Right, another guy crushing it. But that was only after three days. So now we're looking back at the past week, the past seven, <clears throat> past seven days, and we're going to determine our MVPs of the week there. So, Trey, in the past seven days, who do you got? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's a little obvious. He had three home runs on Monday in one game against the Yankees, and he's been raking all week. I mean, he's he's picking up where he left off last season, and so uh, I will go with uh, Vlad Jr. Vlad Jr. All right. All right. I like it. I'm going to give mine to a guy, uh, Seiya Suzuki of the Chicago Cubs. In the past six games, he's hitting 412 with a 545 on base percentage and slugging percentage of over a thousand. He has three home runs and five RBIs. Fantastic week from Suzuki of the Chicago Cubs. I would not be surprised if he ends up taking home the uh, player of the week for the National League. I mean, uh, his OPS in the past seven days is 1.604. So, I love looking at the stats early in the season, seeing those inflated numbers. You know they're not going to keep it up, but it is fun to see, you know, who can hang on to a, an OPS that high for the longest amount of time. And right now, Suzuki's, in the past week, is 1.604. That's that's pretty impressive in the, the three home runs this season, or this, this week, for the Cubs. So that's who gets my MVP of the week this past week. But there have been a lot of good performances. Like you mentioned, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a great week. He's just been hitting home runs left and right. Ozzy Albies for the Braves actually had a pretty good week. He hit, I think, four home runs in five games. So good to see him starting to heat up, uh, even though they lost against the Padres on Sunday Night Baseball last night. I did, did not watch the K-Rod cast still. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was just watching Carl Ravitch and David Cohn and Eduardo Perez on the traditional Sunday Night broadcast. Otani gave his bad CPR and hit 300 runs since then, and it seems to be back into form. That is true. That is true, yeah. Mike Trout's hurt again. But yeah, not as, he got hit by a pitch in his hand, but he seems to be it's day to day. So he, he might miss a game or two. He'll be fine. That's unfortunate. And, you know, this is something I've been seeing a lot of recently is people 
talking about Mike Trout and how fragile he is and how he's just injury prone. And I don't think that's exactly true. Like, yeah, he missed most of last season. But before that, he wasn't really a a guy that you would think of as getting injured all the time. I mean, I, I don't know where this idea came from other than last season, because if you look at his previous seasons and the amount of games that he's played in 2020, which was only a 60 game season, he played 53 games in 2019. He did get injured at the end of the year and missed the last month or so of the season, but he still played 134 games in 2019. So, you know, if he missed the last month, then that's all he missed that year in 2018, he played 140 games. So it's not like he has a real history of missing significant time last year. He did. He only played 36 games last year, and that was unfortunate, but he's not this fragile injury prone guy that everyone's making him out to be. I don't know where this idea came from, uh, but it's I think it's false. And after he got hit by a pitch yesterday and left the game, all these people said, oh, no surprise. There's Mike Trout being fragile again, but he got hit by a pitch and left the game and he's day to day. It's not a big deal. So I don't know where this idea came from that he's just made of glass and going to get injured every game. I got some breaking news. Well, sort of breaking news. Um, the new right, Division One top rankings have come out. Oh, D1 baseball rankings. And Virginia Tech is ranked in the top 10 at number eight. Um, after their series win over Miami, you know, they, they did really well against Miami. who was the hottest team in the country. Um, Tennessee still at one, Oregon State two, Oklahoma State three, Arkansas, four, Miami, five, Southern Miss, six, Stanford, seven, Virginia Tech, eight, Texas Tech, nine, Texas, 10, UVA, 11. Um, Gonzaga is at actually 12. That's pretty interesting. So um, how about that? The Hokies, hottest team maybe in the country. Uh, that is pretty t- impressive. They are number eight. You know, I, I would like to know, you know, Virginia Tech softball, Got another series win against UVA, and they're ranked third and second in the two polls. So two teams in the top 10 on the circle and diamond for the Hokies is pretty exciting for our alma mater. I I thought that they might move into the top 15 after that series win against Miami. I did not expect them to move into the top 10. So that's that's a nice little surprise on this Monday morning. That's pretty impressive by Virginia Tech. I would have to look back and all the, you know, their history books and see what their uh, highest ranking is in program history. But I would assume they're getting pretty close. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, it's, it's an exciting time. You can have two regionals, um, you know, hosted in Blacksburg, both for softball and baseball. So if, if they keep this up, which would be, uh, which would be quite interesting, uh, interesting time. You know, this series against Miami was extremely impressive, putting up back-to-back double-digit victories on them. I think it was 12-5 to on Thursday night and then 13-2 to on Friday night. So really impressive wins against Miami. And then, of course, they, they lost the, the third game 8-5, to but, you know, they'd already won the series. They did, and they did a bullpen game kind of on um, Sunday. And if you want to see the weakness of Virginia Tech, it's their depth in pitching. So it, it makes sense to why they did, um, you know, why they – drop that game, but take, you know, in, in college baseball in, in softball, your goal is to go two and three every weekend and, and you'll make the NCAA tournament and Virginia Tech has done that. And that's, that's pretty good. 
Yeah, great, great season so far by the Hokies. Hopefully they can keep it up. If they could host a regional in Blacksburg, that would be amazing. Uh, all right, let's get into this Clayton Kershaw situation because you brought it up and I do want to talk about it. He had, like you said, a perfect game through seven innings and they pulled him because of a pitch count. And his pitch count was only at 80 through seven innings. But, you know, that was the limit they had set for him. And they didn't want him to go any further than that. They didn't want to risk injury. I personally don't have a problem with this because they had a shortened spring training. And so you got to be more careful than usual with your pitcher's arms because they're getting into real game situations a lot quicker than they usually would. And yeah, a perfect game would be cool. And it's a great accomplishment. It's historic. But it's one game, and then you move on, play the rest of the season. You play to win a World Series. You don't want to risk one of your star pitchers like Clayton Kershaw getting injured in April for an April achievement and not be there in October to help you win the World Series. And say what you want about Clayton Kershaw, about him, his performance in the playoffs, about his age about his, you know, whether or not he's declining. Clearly, he's still got it, if we're talking about this performance the other day. Yet they need him on this team to help win throughout the season and in October. So, in my opinion, you don't want to, you know, even if it's a perfect game, even if he's only at 80 pitches, if that's the limit they set for him, you don't risk a guy's arm for um, an achievement in April when you're playing for October. I understand it. I understood it. And, and you know, you're probably right. It's baseball smart to take, pull them. And it was a no-hitter, I'd understand more. But it's a perfect game. There's been 23 in the history of baseball. 23. Yeah. I'm 25. I'll, I'll be 25. So, like, and baseball's way older than me. Like, that's – this. It, it's so rare – and just because it was perfection. And I think it's where I'm like, oh, you should have just kept them in. At least give them one more batter. Like, all you have to do is pull him after he loses it. Like, that's all you have to do. And, and the fact he only threw 80 pitches. Like, he only threw 80 pitches. He hadn't hit 100. I get that was his limit, but. It, it just is kind of like, ugh, kind of feeling. Like, like, I understand it, and you're right. It makes baseball sense. But, like, the human part of it, and it's Clayton Kershaw, who's, you know, the pitcher of this generation, and he's, you know, not in his prime anymore, and he's throwing – I mean, he looked incredible, and he, he's throwing just great stuff, and he's had a perfect game, and, you know, he might never get this close again. And that's, that's the hard part about it. Yeah, I – I can see both sides, but I just, I don't know if he, if they did leave him in and he gets the perfect game, but he injures his arm along the way, then you look back and you don't have him the rest of the season, but you got a perfect game in April. Is that worth it? No, I get it. Like, I understand that. It's just like, it's just, it's a little disappointing because it's the perfect game. And it was seven. Like, he only needed to face six more batters. Yeah. I would be interested to know the 
discussions they had because 80 does seem like a little bit of a low pitch count. Um, granted, like I said, they had the shortened spring training. They don't want to rush into anything early in the season, but 80 does seem a little bit low for a pitch count. You would, you know, generally the number is 100. So you would think maybe he could at least get to 100, see where he is then. But I would be interested to, do, to know the, uh, the discussions they had going into the game, during the game. I know after the game, Clayton Kershaw, you know, he said he supported the decision. Obviously, Dave Roberts, he made the decision. So it, it was definitely uh, something that we haven't really seen before. Or very rarely have we seen a move like that. But that is the way that baseball is these days. You, you play to keep your pitchers healthy and risk losing a big personal achievement like that because it's all about playing for October, keeping the guys healthy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, nothing really to add on that, but it, it just sucks. Um, speaking of immaculate, Nelson Cortez threw 12 strikes, 12, uh, 12 strikeouts in five innings to the Yankees and uh, had an immaculate inning, the first immaculate inning last night, yesterday. Somehow the Yankees still lost 5 nothing to the Orioles, but that was cool. <laughs> he did have a pretty good game, though. Yeah, he threw – he he had a shutout. And then the bullpen, which gave up, you know? But anything uh, else that caught your eye this week? Um, man. It's been a lot of stuff going on. How about those uh I don't remember when this was, but the Astros City Connect jerseys. Oh yeah, that was that was um before our episode. They stole their idea from UCF, so yeah. How what I haven't seen UCF's version. UCF of that. does a spate for football. They do a spate every year, it lasts like three or four seasons since they became good. They dedicate one week to a space-themed jersey. Hmm. So, so the Astros stole their idea by going with Space City on their yep. City Connect jerseys. I mean, more more space stuff happens in Orlando than it does Houston or the Florida area. So, yeah, that's probably true. They don't look the exact same. I'm just saying the space theme was stolen. So you know, Houston, Houston's cheaters once again. <laughs> I like them. I think they're a good look. And yeah, we still they're, have they're fine. a few more City Connect jerseys coming out later this year. They should have done um, an, an homage to James Harden or something. Like the two for 26 or whatever. Did I say that? James Harden. Paying tribute to James Harden on their baseball jerseys. Yeah, should have done that. Um, he did right. so much for the Rockets. <laughs> All right, playoffs. looking at the uh, schedule for this upcoming week. That's someone who week. should have cheated. <laughs> Here's what we've got on tap this week around MLB. we got an NLCS rematch. The Braves and the Dodgers start a series in Los Angeles tonight. It'll be Huascar Inoa on the mound taking on Clayton Kershaw, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. The Giants and the Mets also starting a series tonight. The Mets have been surprisingly good so far. Uh, and the Giants have been good as well. They're seven and two as of right now at this point in the season. And then later on this week, we get the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Actually, when does that start? Yeah. Uh, later on this week, we get the Blue Jays and the Red Sox starting a series on Thursday. And then Sunday night baseball, 
Next week will be the Brewers and the Phillies on ESPN. Ozzy Albies was mic'd up on uh, Sunday Night Baseball last night for the Braves, and the way they've been doing it after the player is done with their mic'd up segment, they ask him who he wants to nominate for next week, and Ozzy Albies nominated Bryce Harper. So I guess we'll get an on-field interview with Bryce Harper next week on Sunday Night Baseball if he accepts that nomination. How do you feel about these mid-game interviews where they're talking to the players while the game is going on? I like it. I think it's a we, – we've always talked about miking up baseball players, and if this is the first way to do it, I think that would be really cool. I mean, I've, I've – you know, I think they sh- players should be mic'd up and similarly they do it in football and they do it in basketball. So uh, I, I like it. I think it's cool to have players mic'd up and you go back and – you know, watch and listen to the video later and replay it. Having them mic'd up and with an earpiece so they can hear the broadcasters and so that they can have an interview during the game. I didn't like it at first because it's like they're playing the game and the broadcasters are talking to them. It seems like it would be distracting. You know, what other sport would you see this in where guys would be giving an interview while they're playing their game? You wouldn't see that in any other sport. But for some reason in baseball, they're like, oh, yeah, let's just talk to the player while he's trying to focus and play. So I didn't like it at first, but now I kind of like it because it does give you another level of access and insight into the game. And it's cool. It was cool last night listening to Ozzy Alpies talk about, you know, the decisions they're making, what, how they're going to decide, you know, when to shift, how to play each player. So it was cool, but I still just don't really like the general idea of yeah, it just seems like it would be distracting to the player while they're trying to focus. But I don't think my opinion is going to stop it. No, it will. ESPN listens to our podcast. Like Matt Atkins said this. We're canceling that. Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down the week before Bryce Harper gets it. That was my plan all along. Your favorite person in the whole wide world. We don't need to hear any more from him. I know what I'm getting for you for your birthday now. Oh, Which gosh. Are both oh, our no. birthdays are next month. Yeah. 25. So, not getting to that. So that's that's the football area podcast. Um as all you got anything else? No. All right, cool. That's the football area podcast. As always, please like and subscribe wherever you get the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Um, you can tweet at us. Instagram, whatever you want, at Trey Lyle VT, at Matkins in the news. Give us your thoughts on the first week and couple days of the baseball season. Maybe you got something about college baseball, a team to look out for coming up as the playoffs approach. Same thing for softball. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. For Matthew Atkins, I'm Trey Lyle. Have a great week, folks. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening to the Foulball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out.